0: My heart be changed, being new, flowing from the graves that I found. That I see in me. of your love.
1: here tonight. I believe it's good to come to church. I I feel every service, God is doing something, and we're looking for Him to do something tonight. I just would ask if you play softly yet bring all your needs to the altar. Um, By the way, I just got a text that somebody said our streaming wasn't working, but I don't know if we've got that. It's all good. Okay. Um, Earlier today, I, I... I mentioned on Sunday about a sister in the hospital. Her name is Lisa Yellowkneed, a native sister. Her father is a believer up in Trout Lake, Alberta. Brother Paul Dirksen um, knows the brother. He's doing a work. Um, this earlier today, another brother, a native brother from Saskatchewan, from La Ronge, Brother Tom Sanderson, I believe is his name, we met. And he came to pray, but tomorrow they're going to... Uh, disconnect her from the machine she's on. There's not been she hasn't raised consciousness and I was just uh, we'd prayed about it but I I just want to pray one more time and uh, I want to just say it this way. There's a, a soul that's still conscious today that still has breath today tomorrow maybe not but maybe our prayers maybe just waiting and calling on God one more time we could do that So, um, I want to do that, I I believe, not just for the individual, but also for the believers and the church that is there. Um, If I can just share this much, they have received a form of Christianity. They know of the message, but I would say it's not their absolute. And even when I prayed the other day, I said, I believe in Jesus Christ, and that he manifests in this day Through a messenger called William Branham And I did that for the people that were in the hospital But I believe if God would show his absolute to them That it would do something for them So let's just sing Bring all your needs to the altar Maybe you have a need tonight You just want to touch him I believe he can be touched Let's just sing that chorus once Bring all your needs to the altar
0: Bring all All your needs to the
1: Father, how grateful we are tonight to stand in your presence. Lord, we believe that your ears are open to the prayers of your children. When Elijah was on the earth and he prayed, and the scripture would say he prayed earnestly, Lord, I believe you heard the voice of Elijah. You heard the voice of Moses. You heard the prayers of Abraham, even while Lot was down in Sodom. You heard his intercessions. Lord, I believe that there was also a woman in the Bible, typed Esther, who stood in the breach for her people. I believe you heard her prayers, Lord. And I believe that there's a bride on earth that you hear their prayers. Lord, we're here not just for ourselves. We're here for you. We're here for your kingdom. And Lord, while we're here, we're here to fulfill a work. That is to bring uh, bring a seed, a people unto you, Lord, to get the message out into every kindred tongue. And Lord, not just to get it, a book in their hands, but to get them to the place, Lord, where they know you, the living God, the real God. Father, I pray even today there's a sister that's laying in the hospital tonight. She's been unconscious for three weeks. There's been nothing there and The the doctors are about at the place where it's the end. But Father, that's often when you come. When it looks like there's nothing, that's when you step on the scene. Oh Lord, glorify your name. We're asking, Lord, we don't know the plan of God for this sister. We don't know it for the people, the family. But, oh, God, would you show yourself to be God? Would you, oh, Lord, step on the scene? Would you move into that hospital room? Father, prayers have been uttered, but now, Lord, we're calling on you. Show your hand. You are the great one, the mighty one, oh, Lord. Father, we commit the situation in your hand. You are the resurrection and you are the life. Lord, we believe that the God of Jesus Christ is here again in this late day. We believe that there's a messenger named William Branham. We believe, oh Lord, that we are standing under the auspices of this message. And we believe that an angel, a mighty angel, has identified himself in this last day. Lord, we call on you. And while we're here for the hands that have been lifted, we ask you for them. And Lord, now... We surrender ourselves, our thoughts, our minds. We give this service to you. Though it be a Wednesday and we can maybe qualify, that would just allow us to be a little less. But Lord, take charge of the service. Take charge of our beings. And oh God, may you do what you desire to do. We commit ourselves to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, Brother John. Musicians, we sure appreciated the music tonight. Did you? I felt that was a blessing. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17, we're going to read a few verses there. While you're standing, you've been standing a little bit, but let's just do it a little bit more. Verse 1, Genesis chapter 17. This will be in a continuation of prevailing seed. I, I will be honest with you. I had, uh, there was something in my subconscious. I felt I needed to... Uh, take some time with Genesis 17, and, you know, we we watch for what the Spirit is speaking to the church, and I would like to say the Spirit has been speaking to our church over the last weeks, and I, if if you're listening, I want to be sensitive to that. I don't want what I want. I want what God wants, and we all want what God wants, but the Lord just checked me to come back to this, and and maybe after Sunday and then after after the Sunday night service and some of the things after that I have not been able to get away from and some of the different situations. And if I haven't responded to somebody with an email or a text, forgive me, it's been awfully busy and uh, We just believe God is doing things. So Genesis 17, verse 1, And when Abraham was 90 years old, and nine the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Now I just stop on verse 2 for a minute. In Genesis 13, God had spoke to Abraham and said, I will make my covenant with you and it will be like the dust of the earth. And then in Genesis 15, he would say again to Abraham, I make my covenant with you and your seed will be like the stars of heaven. And now in Genesis 17, he reaffirms it another time and says, I will make my covenant between me and you, But now it's coming right into him. Now it's not looking at something down there or something up there, but now it's something that he bears witness of within himself. That'll just sort of set the tone for where I'm going. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, "'As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Thou shalt be a father of many nations.'" Neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. A father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful. I will make thee nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. So he's now expanding it further, and this was going to be a sign for the seed after him. I'll I'll try to refrain from commenting. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land, and where thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you, and ever and thy seed after thee. Every man, child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. It shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger that is not of thy seed, he that's born in thy house, he that's brought with money which needs be circumcised, for my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. With this warning on chapter 14, or verse 14. And the uncircumcised man-child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. God bless his word. You may have your seats. My topic tonight is, where am I in the covenant? And this is, I, I put it that way, I could have said, where are you? But I'm identifying myself in this too. So I'm saying, Where am I? And I didn't ask, Where are we? Because it's easy to identify with the church. This is the church. This is personal. Where am I in the covenant? Turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I want to bring this between Old and New Testament. I'm so thankful we have a message where the whole Bible is relevant. I believe it is. John chapter 3, this is when Nicodemus comes to Jesus in verse 3. He has questions. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that's one point. Let's just go a little further. Nicodemus said, "'How can a man be born when he's old? "'Can he enter the second time into his womb? "'And Jesus said, "'Verily, verily, I say unto you, "'except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, "'he cannot enter the kingdom of God. "'That which is born of the flesh is flesh, "'and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. "'Marvel not that I say unto you, "'you must be born again.'" The wind blows where it listeth, and you cannot hear where the sound thereof, and thou can't you can't tell where it comes from, or where it goes, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now I I will try to just get into my thought a little bit. Genesis seventeen, as as he is speaking, it is a seal not just to Abraham, but to all the seed. It wasn't something that Isaac could look back and say, God did this in my father Abraham. Therefore, I'm I'm part of the natural seed and I qualify. That wasn't good enough. Unless Isaac was circumcised, and circumcision is a type here. Unless he was circumcised, it was actually something he had in his flesh. Something that he could say, I know it happened to me. And, 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 and so it wasn't historical. It was not a second-hand uh, identification. It was first-hand. The same thing that happened to Abraham happened to Isaac. Happened to Jacob. Happened to 12 sons of Jacob. Happened all the way down. So this was personal. This was made real. It wasn't external. It was something in the flesh. Now... I want to read, because I believe we are living in a time where uh, there, there's so many questions we could have, questions about uh, the Holy Ghost, the new birth, questions about it, and we all have a different personality, we all have a different makeup, and, and you could say, well, there's so much confusion, I, I, I'll just, you know, I'll settle on this and that's good enough. I will say when you get to the end of the journey, it's not good enough. And I would say it was the grace of God for him to speak to us the way he's been speaking to us, even Sunday. And and it was was there to cause us to, you know, I I marvel at the grace of God, how far it extends. If you actually take uh, in, in the church ages, in the book of Revelations, and it talks about uh, Jezebel the great whore and it says I gave her uh, grace to repent I, I, I'm not I'm using verbatim but he gave her space to repent yeah. Yeah. now uh, that's amazing to me that God would give something that had martyred a system that had martyred and killed but he gave space to repent But I'll tell you what, you read the rest of Revelations and read chapter 17 or 18, that space was gone. And you read the judgment of the great whore, I'll tell you, it is not something you want to be identified with. So I say it's the grace of God that, that allows us to be sure. And and Peter would tell us, make your calling and election sure, for we're living in dangerous, treacherous times. Now, I believe that in the middle of all of this, you can have a rest. You can have an assurance. You don't have to be tossed to and fro. Oh, the devil rattles on our door and windows all the time. But you can have something greater inside of you that is more than enough to meet the challenge of the day. And the prophet would say, we have the answer to the devil's question. Now that's not just intellectual. I believe that's a witness in the heart. And I believe you can have that witness. And I believe God wants you to have that witness. So... As I take this from trying to do God a service without his will, Brother Branham makes this statement. He said, now watch how close it gets to a razor's edge now between right and wrong. Remember, it'll fall on one or the other sides till it comes down to a honed razor between the difference of right and wrong. It's got to be every word of God. Not just almost every word, but every word. That's the gate that we are to possess in this last day. It's not just to what Lutherans or Methodists or Pentecosts But this is the honed age where the Antichrist anointing is so perfectly it would deceive the elected. They'll fall on the wrong side if they don't watch it just like a wedge. Now watch, be careful. We are not living in a Pentecostal age now. We've passed that age just the same as it passed the Lutheran. Now I don't say this to scare you, but I just say Lord, uh, I don't have the smarts, but you do, Lord. Give me more of you that I can be an overcomer in this age. So as I now just go a little further with this, and I I would like to just say the covenant that we've been given, and and if, if you can just say it, I'll summarize very briefly. The covenant given to Adam was, you do this and you'll be okay. Don't touch that and you'll be okay. And he says, if you do that, everything will be fine. But Adam could not live that covenant. Now, Adam and Eve, I put them together. They couldn't live that covenant because it was based on their condition. It was based on condition of obedience. But they couldn't live that, and neither can we. Especially in our fallen nature. We'll never do it. So God had to come and make a new covenant. And the covenant was a grace covenant, not based on what I can do or what you can do. And sometimes, you know, there's times in our walk where God does something for us and we think, now we have to perform. Now we have to do something. I will say we need to cooperate with God. It's not based on works, it's a grace covenant. And grace has three separate um, manifestations, if I can call it. And the manifestations, and, and it, it, it will be, and I'll read here. Let me, let me just read. Now, Brother Branham just talks and he says, this is now, first of all, to the age. Let me just put it to the age before I bring it personal. Now, he says, the age we're coming to, this is the age where the same Holy Spirit, just more of it. He says, when the Lutherans back there got saved, now to that age, it was justifications, they had a portion of the Holy Spirit. Now, justification was a work of the Holy Spirit. So he says, now... When the Methodists got sanctified, that was a work of the Holy Spirit. It was a part of it, but it says they without us are not perfect. The true Lutherans were believing to something further. The true Methodists were believing to something further. And I will actually say the true Pentecost, the age Pentecost, Azusa Street were believing to something further. Now, it's always a challenge when you come out of an age, a previous age, to turn the corner. I, I, I want to, listen, I, I want to do this to help us all. Because in our emotions, the devil challenges us. He's saying, you don't have it. Or he can deceive you and say, you got it, you're Okay. <laughs> but it's deceptive. It's a deceptive age. We can't rely on our feelings. We have to go back to the Word of God. Only the Word of God will defeat the devil. And it's the revealed word, the original word, because under our messenger, we've been called out of Pentecostal traditions. So it's not just what the age past had, but it's more real than that. Now, I, I was working with someone, and uh, he knows I'm a Christian, and we were talking about a certain individual, and, and he was actually a person that's well-known in the city, and uh, he was, was a hockey player, and, and we did some work for him, and, and uh, the man said to me, he says, he's a born-again Christian, you know. And, and okay, so I said, And he asked, he told me because he thought I'm religious and I'll identify with that born again Christian. And and so I I had to ask myself, and I didn't ask him, I didn't, I just said, why would he think he's a born again Christian? Just because he said so? Just because he goes to church and he proclaims it, you know, I thank God for everything. And and you know, just because you have a manifestation of the Spirit, you're a born again Christian? No, you're not. There's a lot of emphasis put on manifestations. Now, while I'm just slowing down here, I want to say it this way. Sometimes we have preconceived ideas of what the Holy Ghost is. And sometimes they are to our detriment because we're scared of it or I'm scared of what it'll do. What if it makes me run around like Brother Max? Well, if it does, so be it. The Holy Ghost did not come to make you like Brother Max. The Holy Ghost came to make you like Jesus Christ. To have fellowship with him. It's nothing to be scared of. Let me just say this. The Holy Ghost is a person. The Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost is, is, is there to identify with you in your peculiarities. He's a person. You can have a relationship with him. You can have a closeness with him. Well, what, what will it do to me? What, will it make me cry? Will it make me? I don't want to be embarrassed. I'll I'll tell you what, when you're so in love with Jesus, when you're more concerned about what he thinks than what your neighbor thinks, that's the last thing on your mind. And there can be many manifestations. And I remember I was a young believer and and, uh, some people were telling me, you know, you need to have a definite experience. And I believe a definite experience. But you can have an experience in justification. You can have one in sanctification. You can have many experiences, but you, are, you can't go by experience alone. You need to go by what God has identified in this age, in the individual also. So it's not just good enough to say, we're in the message, we're beyond Pentecost, I'm in this church, therefore I'm safe. No, this is the age of the token where it's not the geography of this church, it's not the border of your family, but it's an individual thing that needs to be on every one of us. I trust this is all right tonight. I, I, I really felt I tr- uh, to, to just stop here and, and to do this today. So, and let me just make just a couple statements. What's the end result of it? Uh, I I I believe it was one brother. It was actually David Branham, which is um, grandson of Brother Branham, who who said, "When it came on me, it was like an assurance. It was like a rest. It was I was not striving anymore. It was whatever you want, Lord. I'm here. I'm cooperating with you. So it is. It is also a seal." Now, I'm going to just take a little bit of time. So, Brother Branham was asked, and my question is, where am I in the covenant? Now, you might not have the covenant. There was was somebody that asked Brother Branham this question. And I, I, I won't finish this one tonight for sure. But it said... Do you believe, this is in Questions and Answers, 1954, Law Having a Shadow. Do you believe that God gives the Holy Spirit to everyone that is truly born-again Christian at the time they accept salvation, or do you believe this is a different work of grace that in, in the experience of most Christians comes later, please clarify this subject as many are confused because of the different teaching on this subject. I love some of the questions that were asked by people. There's another one that I have and I won't come to, but I, I think God allowed some of those people to ask questions knowing we would have those same questions in our heart and that here would be an answer. Here would be something you could hang your hat on. And he says, now, he says, now, Christian friend, a person cannot be born again until you have received the Holy Spirit. You cannot. And he says, you're not even converted until you receive the Holy Ghost. Now, he also said, if you preach it just like that, you hurt the church. Because you can make it seem like, well, what of all that I've done and all that's happened in me and all that I've... So you can be at different stages in the covenant and going to it. So really, if you take the covenant, it started before the foundation of the world. My name was in the book. Well, then you came down, you were manifest in the flesh. So somewhere in the flesh, there would have to start to be a manifestation of your name in the book. Which would be uh, not just the book of life, but the Lamb's book of life. And it would be that somewhere you would have to reckon yourself, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. Something has to change. I'm no good. And I'll tell you what, that repentance is still a good sign. It's good for the person that's just saved and the person who's been serving God for 30 years because the devil will continually trip us up. But a sure sign that you're in the covenant is you're willing to repent. You're willing to say, I'm wrong. That's a good sign. Another good sign is if the devil keeps telling you, you're not a son of God. Well, he tells that to you because you are a son of God. He's been a liar. So you ought to say, wherever I am, I may not be there yet, but I'm on my way. And God will give it to me. If I trust him. But there's got to be an outworking. And and let me just clarify something just for a moment. Many times, as it was in the upper room in the book of Acts, there's a misconception that all you gotta do to get the Holy... Well, what you gotta do to get the Holy Ghost is just pray day and night. No, you don't. Because Jesus told them... Go in the upper room and tarry there. Wait until you receive it. And then they asked Brother Bram the question, were they praying? He says, I don't know. But they were waiting on something. So just because you came to the altar the other night, and maybe, and and this really came to me very strongly, was wait on it. Don't just come up here. I'm going to do something different right now in this service. Uh, don't just come up here and if you don't get it, go back defeated. Determine in your heart that I'm going to get it and God's going to give it to me. Now, we had a brother preach and I'm going to ask Brother Max, can you just come up here for a minute? Now, Brother Max, I, I, he gave this testimony years ago And I'm I'm now having said what I said about you don't have to pray. You have to wait. But I also need to say that doesn't mean to stand here with your hands folded. That means there's a waiting, and anticipating, a looking to God. And at the same time, you're circumcising all that's excess. You're agreeing. You're yielding. Because you can't manufacture it. But you have to press in. Now, Brother Max shared this testimony about what God did for him, and I want him just to share this with you. If you come, Brother Max. You have about five to 10 minutes. Don't take the whole service, okay? <laughs>
2: Thank you, Brother Ed. Amen. Oh, God bless you. Um, yeah, I'll we'll be short, and I am short. <laughs> Well, I was 21 years old when I got baptized in Ireland. And uh, after I got baptized, I, I had a burden on my heart. I just wanted to close the walk with the Lord. I I just felt like I wasn't where I was supposed to be after baptism, and I mean water baptism. I I was hungering for God. I I, I just wanted to know him more. I wanted him to be more real to me. I wanted an experience with him. And, and I always pray and I say to the Lord, you know, please, you know, whatever it takes, you know, please, you know, meet with me, make it real to me. And um, as I was praying, I did have in my mind the way I wanted him to meet with me. And I, I was expecting that one day, as I was praying beside my bed or as I was in church and service, that somehow the Lord would come and he would just flow through me from head to toe and that would settle it and I would be, be completely full and I would be satisfied and I wouldn't. I won't need anything else. So that was my expectation. That was what I was expecting from the Lord. And so I kept on praying and looking forward to that and seeing what will happen, something supernatural to actually happen. But one day I was in a house, a brother's house. Um, He's called Brother George Kesho. Some of you might know him. Um, I was at his house and we were just fellowshipping. And and he said to me, you know, I, I have a burden on my heart to start praying. And I said to him, Well, you know, that's a great burden. I mean, it's good that we, you know, you want to pray and all that. And he said, Well, I have a burden to actually go, go, go to church and, you know, um, you know, spend the night there and really pray and wait on the Lord. And I I said, Well, that's good. I mean you you can do it. That's wonderful. And he said, Well, I have a burden that we should start doing. <laughs> And I, well, I, I wasn't really keen to that idea to having to go to church and spend the night in prayer. I honestly didn't feel in my flesh to do that at all. But eventually he kept on, you know, encouraging me to say, you know, let's just go, let's just go and pray, even if it's just for some few hours, it's okay, let's just go and pray. So eventually he said, okay, that's fine, let's, let's do it. So we went to church to pray, and um, it was me, him, another brother and a deacon, and we were there, and, and we just started to pray. And, I mean, that was my early early days in the message. So, I mean, we, normally what we do, we would play a tape and then we'd pray and then we'd play another tape and we'd pray. And so we started to pray and I, I knelt and, and, you know, as they were praying, I was praying. And, you know, after five minutes, I, I was done praying. But they were still praying. And so, well, I, I waited and, and I started to pray again. And, I mean, after another five minutes, I was done, but they were still praying. And I mean, that'll go on for for, for uh, different times that we'll come together to pray. But then one day as as I was there and we were praying and I mean, I, I prayed again and I was done and they were still praying. I actually started a prayer and I started saying to the Lord, Lord, I, I don't know, but I, I want what they've got. I want what they've got, but I wasn't so much asking that the Lord gives me the length of their prayers. That That wasn't what I wanted. But when we'll be in there and we'll pray, I can feel the presence of the Lord, but I knew I wasn't there. The presence of the Lord was there. I can see them breaking through in prayer, but I could see I wasn't breaking through in prayer. I could see that they, they were in a different dimension. I knew I wasn't there. So that was what I started to ask the Lord. I said, Lord, help me. I want to I wanna come to that place. I want to break through in prayer. I want, I want I just don't want it to be, you know, just coming here and just kneeling and just saying my own routine prayers and letting it end there. And so as I asked the Lord that, I don't know what happened, but something changed. Something changed and it became different that evening that as I started prayer, I find myself not where I was. I find myself breaking through and going to another another dimension. I mean, I don't know what it is, but it was just kind of breaking through. and. I seen the Lord really making himself really real to me. And from that time, I mean, things started to change, and the Lord really started to, to visit me in prayer in, in different ways and special needs and things like that. And, and so, I mean, I had in my mind the way I wanted to, to meet with the Lord, but the Lord had in mind another way he wanted to meet with me, and it wasn't the way I premeditated. And the way he had chosen was the way that I didn't want to go. But that was the way that he wanted me to go, And, and you know, since then, I mean prayer has been one of my my, my, my resorts, one of the places I go to, whenever I I am in need or whenever anything is happening, that's where I, I go to often. And I believe God really does answer prayers, and God really loves to hear his children speak to him. And so yeah, that was kind of a little short testimony that I want to share, yeah.
1: I I would just want to say this I I believe even as Brother Max ministered that that service didn't start just a, a day or two before but it was weeks before and we were kneeling at the altar here and I just sensed in the one meeting, the prayer meeting, Brother Max was very broken. Just just broken before the Lord. And uh, that's where messages come. And now this is not just for preachers. But I believe this is for every one of us. That's where you can find your children saved. That's where you can find situations change. And Many things are wrought in prayer, but the point I'm I'm just coming to is God wants to give it to you more than you want it yourself. But are you willing to take it on the terms that God gives it? And are you willing to wait on Him in the way He wants to give it? Brother Harold would always tell the story of the colored brother, uh, who got the Holy Ghost, and he was at work, and they all noticed the difference. And I, I, I don't know if this is what his name was, if it was Mo or what the one was. And, and finally, one of them said, "I, I want to get what you got. Okay, come with me." And he took him to the, to the pig pen, and he said, "Come out here." He says, "But it's, it's all, all that dung and stuff." And he goes, "Well, do you want the Holy Ghost, then, guys." Okay, I do. So he walked in the stuff. Then he said, now, you need to kneel here. Uh, I, I, I don't want to kneel here. And, and he said, but I want the Holy Ghost. And so he said, okay, this is where you need to kneel and call on God. He says, once, he says, now, God doesn't actually give it to you just in a pig pen and just here. But you need to be willing to come to that place. Whatever it takes, Lord. I think it was Buddy Robinson who wanted the Holy Ghost, and his neighbor was beside him, and one day he knew he was a Christian, and and he heard him cursing and swearing at his horse. And he thought, I got him. And he goes around the corner, and he comes in, and he he says, I'm going to, he claims to be religious, I'm going to show him. And he comes around the corner, and there's Buddy Robinson crying. He's saying, Lord, if you don't fill me with the Holy Ghost, you're going to find a pile of bones here when you come. And I'll say, when we get to that place where, like Jacob, it means everything, that's when you'll get it. Now, does it doesn't mean you have to pray. You know, like Brother Max said, I, I, I thought five minutes, I'm done. But he came to find out it's more than that. And, and I'm just saying this, whatever it is, if it's digging into the message, if it's checking your life, and if it's doing these things, God wants to give it more than we want it. But he also demands a complete surrender. That was a little different part, so I'm going to now take part of my notes. I apologize, but I, 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 I'm just, I want this to be a help to us moving forward. Now you might say, Brother Ed, I've got the Holy Ghost. I will just say this. We have people in the assembly that don't have it. And if you're a Christian and your burden is to be a part of it, you want it for everyone. You don't just want to get them in the pew. You don't just want to give them a book. But you want to see them filled. And Same token for me as a minister. If God's going to ask me one day, why didn't you tell them? Why didn't you wait? I don't want that on my hands. I don't. And I have a burden to see us all move forward. I have a burden to see us all filled with the Spirit. I have a desire for more of God. And I believe that's not just my desire, but that's God's desire. So Brother Manning would say, Now, I said, where are you in the covenant? So he would say, and I got to go back to where I was before I interrupted myself. And he says, he he was talking about these Lutherans. He came to a Lutheran college, and and they were kind of chastising Brother Branham, this dean of this college. And then, but he said, we have today a greater witness of the resurrection. So the Lutheran college he went to to meet this man, he said, He says, Brother Branham, what do we have? And he says, a man planted a field of corn. The little blades came up. And he said, thank the Lord for the crop of corn. Potentially he had it. Now you might say, I've been baptized. Thank the Lord for saving me. Well, I believe you're in the process of the covenant. But don't stop there. Don't rest there. Sometimes we, we have come to a place where we have families that have grown up in the message and I would say, know everything, know the quotes, know the doctrines, but to have the reality of that in them, that's a great challenge. Amen. Because you can hardly convince them intellectually. And I say, so potentially... You are in the covenant. God, God took such care of us to give us good parents, to give us the message. I used to despise that, but now I thank God for it. And I, I, I say, but now, Lord, let me go further. So through these Lutherans, he said, I got a crop of corn. No, you don't. <laughs> you, you potentially have it. Now, he, he would go on and say, uh, there's, there's more he says, the church is growing. Now, the life, he talks, was in the husk, in the stalk, in the tassel, but it comes together in the end in the seed. Now, this I'm, I'm actually going to take this in, in a different service. Let me go for a moment. I'm talking about Abraham. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 8 for a moment. Hebrews chapter 8. I want to take just maybe this part tonight um, to, to just speak a little bit of what our end goal is, where we're going to, which is truly the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But Hebrews chapter 8, now this is the New Testament, and I'm going to come back to the Old in a moment here. He says in, in uh, verse 6, talking about Christ, the mediator of a better covenant, Now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then he should have no place where he should have sought for a second. For finding fault with the old covenant, he says now, he says, behold, the days will come The Lord says, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out of the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, I regarded them not. So he's talking about not a covenant of just natural circumcision, but he's now turning them to a spiritual one. And he said, verse 10. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. That means he's Lord of my life. I don't come to church because I'm fearful of what he'll do to me if I don't come. I don't come to church because my mom or dad made me to go. I don't come to church because uh, i, I got to have some good works. I come because I love him. And I want to show my love to him. And I want to have fellowship with him. That's when God is really real in your heart. And he said, I will write my laws into their mind. I, I won't be as blunt as Brother Branham was Brother Bram says, you don't want to come to church? Don't come. <laughs> yeah. right. He says, you want to drink? Go ahead and drink. Right. <laughs> now, if you tell a real believer that, you say, I don't want that stuff. Yeah. And sometimes you're in a, in a war, you're not really, you're there and you're in the middle of it and you, you think you want it and yet you don't want it when you get there. And you sure aren't happy after you, well, you've done whatever you did. But that's the battle that we're in. So he says, This is the covenant that I'll make with them. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor. In other words, you know, this is what you got to do. Step one, step two, step three, you're at step four. No, he says, you're not going to teach your neighbor. And every man saying, know the Lord. For they all shall know me from the least to the greatest. And I'll be merciful to their unrighteous. And their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. And he said, a new covenant he made uh, he, hath, he hath made the, the first old, now that which is decayed and waxed old is ready to vanish away. Now, I, I'm going to go back Old Testament. This, this is very familiar. This is Ezekiel 36. You will recognize this in a moment, but I want you just to look at how God was bringing his people along, and I would say the seed of Abraham along. So Ezekiel 36, verse 19 Ezekiel was one of those that was in Babylon, he was dealing with what Israel had done, Um, and now in the middle of all of that, God speaks to him, verse 19, he says, I scattered you among the heathen, I'm going to just summarize this quickly, dispersed you through the countries according to your way and your doings, I judged you, and when you entered into the heathen, whither they went, you profaned my holy name, and they said unto him, these are the people of God, look at them. And then God, he goes on to say, I had pity for my holy name, you know, and and such and such. But verse 22, he says, now to the house of Israel, I'm going to do this not for your sakes, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the heathen. You talk about grace. This is grace. Grace. I, I was born in a Christian home. I, 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 we had a difficult family situation. I'm not blaming. I knew about the message. I read a prophet visit South Africa. I heard singing. I sang Christian songs when I was young. And yet I went into the world. I did all this. But when he reached down his hand for me, when he reached it down, he said, so far and no further. And he began to bring me back. He began to bring me in. That's grace. That's the grace of God. And he says, now, verse 23 I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen. I, I went back. They had a, fa- they had a ch- high school reunion, 10 year high school reunion. The last thing they remembered of Ed Hammermeister was this guy liked to party. This guy did this and this. And I showed that up. I was just interested to see what happened. And they go, You're not Ed Hammermeister. Yes, I am. <laughs> I said, The old, I should have said like Brother Ron said, because he had a friend of his from high school, Brother Ron Spencer, he said a friend of his came from high school, traveled many years to see him, and he started talking, didn't we have a time, Ron, didn't we do this? And he goes, and he let him go for about 10 minutes, and he says, I need to tell you something, that Ron Spencer is dead, he doesn't live anymore. This is what's happened. This guy traveled two hours to see Brother Ron Spencer to talk and reminisce of the old times. After 10 minutes of hearing Brother Ron, he couldn't wait to get out of there and go back home. And I would say, because you're actually born of another spirit. You're born of, the old is gone. The new is alive. He lives in me. And it's not just to be different the part that lives in you will continue on into eternity. But here, G, here I, Ezekiel is saying this. He says, in, in verse 23, I am the Lord your God. I will be sanctified in you before your eyes. I will take you out of the heathen. I'll gather you out of the countries. I'll bring you in your own land. I will sprinkle clean water in you. You shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. You talk about grace. This is to a nation, to a people. They're still going to come to this under their seventh trumpet. They're going to come to this. They're not there. They were blinded for our sake. This is our moment. This is our time. Now, in the middle of all of this, Ezekiel, he catches a vision, Brother Branham would say. And he says, A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, look at this. What if we would come into this church tonight with the old spirit that we had when we were in the world? Men would be looking at women the long, wrong way, there would be all kinds of fashions in here. There would be no reverence in this church. There would, be, uh, there would be fights break out after five minutes. But thank God he gave another spirit just to get us to sit here. Thank God that he also gave us that stony part that it's soft. I, I tell you what, let God soften the ground that you're in. It, you may not be ready to receive it, but just say, Lord, my heart is open. I want what you want for me. I, 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 maybe I don't even, I'm scared of some things. God will take you along, step by step, but just be open to him. So he, here he's, here's a step in the covenant. But this isn't the covenant. Next verse. And after I give you a new spirit and take the stony heart of you, then I will put my spirit in you. Now it's the Holy Spirit, not another spirit, but the Holy Spirit. I will put my spirit within you, and it will cause you to walk in my statues, and you'll keep my judgments and do them. It won't be, this is what you got to do. Deacons, check up on this guy. Doesn't look like he's going to last but a few days once you leave this service. You know, that's not the kind of covenant we're under. We're under another covenant. We're going himself wants to dwell in you. He wants you to be him to this generation. He says more. You can read all the rest of it. I will save you from your uncleanness. Let's just go back for a moment. Um, I'm going to take you to 1 Samuel chapter 10. This is in the Old Testament. I think it bears looking at just for a moment. 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 1. This is now Samuel the prophet. He takes a vial of oil. He's he's now anointing Saul, the king. It's actually interesting. It's another subject, but he takes a vial to anoint Saul, and he takes a horn of oil to anoint David. But I, I won't go into that. He took a vial of oil, poured it on his head, kissed him, and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you to be captain over his inheritance? So, As the king, he was going to have an anointing. Let's just drop down to verse 9. And it was so he goes into the city. He goes in and God has to let Saul know I'm with you. I'm going to give you something. Verse 9, and he says, And when he turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came out of the city, and he says, And a company of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came upon them, him, Saul, and he prophesied among them. So much so in the next verse that they said, what is this? The son of Kish, Saul? Is he also among the prophets? Now, this was the Spirit of God that came upon him. Now, as yet, there was no promise of the Holy Ghost, but the Spirit of God would move on somebody. But if you know the life of Saul, that left him, and another spirit, an evil spirit, came on him. So, under the old covenant, there was no place that the Spirit could attach itself to under the blood of bulls and goats, you, you couldn't, under an animal sacrifice, you couldn't ask the Spirit of God to stay. So you could be anointed, you could have a measure of God's Spirit, but it was not to remain. It did not stay. We're under a different covenant. I, I, I want you to appreciate what God has gone through in history to bring us to this place and how valuable a resource we have with the promise of the Holy Ghost in this day. Amen. Let's take another one. Let's just go back to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, verse 24. This is Moses now, he was the anointed prophet. And Moses went out and he told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people. And he set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him. And he took of the spirit that was upon Moses. Listen to this. And he gave it unto 70 elders. Uh, Don't don't get quiet on me. It was the same Spirit, but God divided it. And he said, and it came to pass that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. Now, you would think, wow, they're part of the 70. They're part of the elite. They were also a part of those that did not go into the promised land. Because they rebelled against the Word of God. So, in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come and it would go. You'd be under anointing and the anointing would leave you. But it was, it was not so. This is the Old Testament. Okay? Let's just take one more. This is a couple chapters over. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, verse 21 as I truly live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt, in the wilderness, have tempted me these ten times, have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they will not see the land which I swear unto the fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. So out of that company, there was a whole bunch of Israelites that came out but never went in. But the next verse, verse 24, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and has followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherewith he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now, it was possible then to have an anointing and if I could even be say it this way Balaam had the same anointing that was on Moses That's the message But Balaam was a false prophet he was not a word prophet So the spirit always comes to the word. The true, genuine Holy Spirit on a true seed comes to the word. Okay? And and, and I'm, I'm saying it. So there's a differentiation here shown what Caleb did. The spirit that was on him, it was leading and pointing to something. It was pointing to fullness. And under fullness, God respected that. I I, I won't have time to get into it, but there was another. There was a young man of the prophets, and he, Phineas was his name. He was a priest, and he saw adultery in the camp. He saw the Midianites coming in. He saw it coming into the camp, and there was something in him that so raised up now he didn't view politics, he didn't view his position, and he didn't even look at the man who was taking a Midianite woman into the tent because that man was one of the elders of Israel. But the spirit that was on him, he took a javelin and he went and he and he, he went right in the tent with it, and it went through two of them. Now, God so respected that that Phineas's generations were blessed after that. So this is the Old Testament. Now, let me not finish there. I need to go a little further. And and there's, like I said, much more I would get to, but not today. So Matthew, let's just go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And let's just pick this up from verse 11. Did I give you this in this order? I'm sorry. Matthew 11, verse 11. I want to just take this just for a moment. Um, I even wrote this down wrong. That's what I did. What did I give you? Was it Matthew 4? I didn't give that to you? Okay, so this is the one where, where, well, I'll just tell you what it is. It it just talks about where Jesus, actually, it's it's in Matthew chapter 3. That's where it's at. I'm sorry. Matthew 3. I just remembered. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. There we are. I indeed baptize you, this is now John the Baptist coming, and he says, I indeed baptize you with the water unto repentance. So what John was doing was pointing to something unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So the true believers of John, they would know the water is a step, but John also said beyond that step there's going to be something else. I want to be a faithful servant tonight and say, it's wonderful that you've been baptized. Maybe your conscience is eased. Maybe your conscience says, I've come where I needed to come to. I'm telling you, you need to go further. You can't stop and rest your experience on a baptismal tank. It has to go further. Let me just drop this in just while I'm here. There was... Many, uh, to the younger ones, Our parent, uh, as parents, we came out of denominations where we had the wrong baptism. We had to get baptized correctly. Right. Okay, and I'm talking, now we're coming down to a razor's edge. You don't have, you've never had to worry about it. You've always been preached the correct baptism. But what you need to do is, how am I going in the tank have I true is cuz baptism is an outward show of an inward work of grace. So it's not just I'm going to do this to satisfy my conscience and everybody else is out there. That is as wrong as it would be to go in the wrong baptism, to go with the wrong motive. So I'm I'm bringing it closer because this is the age where we've got to be sure of where we're going. So it's not just having the correct name, having the correct person to do it, but it's actually going in with the right heart, with the right motive, and if you do it with all of those things, the moment you get up from that tank, you're a candidate for the Holy Ghost. So is it important... It was so important, Brother Max referred to it on Sunday, that when, when some disciples of John came later in the book of Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 19, and they knew only the baptism of John, and they, they were preaching to them the Holy Ghost, and said, what is this Holy Ghost thing you're preaching about? And he says, we only know the baptism of John. He said, well, they said, unto what were you baptized then? And they gave them the correct baptism, and the minute they gave, took that baptismal step, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Is it important the Holy Spirit comes to the Word? All the time. Is this, this okay? I'm, I'm just about done. Let's just go to, let's go to John, chapter, John chapter 3. Very quickly. This is Jesus now. Even Jesus comes to earth. He needs to be baptized. Wow. Well, okay, I guess if he did, I have to too. But here, here's... Here's where the promise was first fulfilled. And so here, John, he's preaching, he that comes after me, I'm not worthy, etc., etc. Verse 29, the next day John sees Jesus coming, behold the Lamb of sin, which takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom it said, after me comes a man that is preferred before me, who was before me, and I knew him not. Verse 32, and John bear record, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like the dove, and this next part is important, and it abode on him. It didn't, it didn't go away. In fact, it stayed on him when they called him names it stayed on him. It stayed on him when he was before Pilate. It held. It stayed on him when he was on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them. It held in that moment. So the difference in the Old Testament, it would come, it would go. It would come, it would go. The difference between an anointing in this day is, you can be anointed, but it can go. But the real baptism, it's with you when you're down. It's with you when you're up. It's always with you. It's a seal. That's as far as I'm gonna get today. Let's have the musicians come. We'll follow this up in future services. I just felt we needed to do that today, and we'll need to do it again. And I, I I said this about a month and a half ago. I said, we need to preach on the three definitive manifestations of grace. And that's what we're doing. Is that all right? Let's stand together. How many are happy to be Christians? I'm happy to be a Christian. How many are happy that they're on the journey even though you have questions? Even though you don't have full assurances? I'm not here to condemn you tonight. I'm here to tell you, keep walking. Keep walking with God. Keep tarrying. Keep waiting. Don't stop. I will say this. Commit yourself to God. Say, Lord... And if you need one assurance, saying, Lord, if I'm the last one and I need the Holy Ghost and I'm holding up the rapture, don't let it be me that holds it up. It says. But Lord, I want to be there. And whatever it takes, like Brother Max said, if it means that i got to wait a little longer and i got to come in prayer, I'm going to do that. I'll just say it this way. We have some brothers, and again, I've not advertised it, but we have some brothers that gather here in prayer every second Tuesday. If you feel that you need the Holy Ghost and you want to just wait and you want to come in prayer that, you know, maybe it's more than five minutes. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the way. But if you want someone to pray with you, we'll pray with you. It doesn't mean, like, we're going to lay hands on you up here, but you just come and be in an atmosphere. You're welcome to do it. Contact Brother Andrew if you want to come. Now, at present, we have it for, for brothers, but if, uh, if you really want, we're, we will make opportunity. If you want to do this, you that are waiting on the Lord, Brother Branham preached a series of messages just after the church ages in 1959, and they were called, What is the Holy Ghost? He preached four successive messages. What is it for? What does it do? And then questions and answers on the Holy Ghost. He preached it... And if you look at his attitude as he came, he said, I'm doing this because I feel we as a church need to do this. I don't believe what Brother Andrew spoke a Sunday night ago about high places was just for one or two. I believe it was for every one of us. I don't believe what Brother Max preached the other night was just a one time and we're happy. I believe it was for every one of us. Even if you have the Holy Ghost, we need refillings. We need more of God. We've got to meet the challenge of the hour. Is that all right? Are you you with me? Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we need to sing a song or two. Oh, what are we going to sing? Are you washed? uh, Are you washed in the blood? Let's sing. Are you washed in the water of the word? Let's do that. Thank you.
0: Do you know
1: what it is not to have one guilty
0: feeling, not to wonder where you're going when you die? Not condemned of the past, not afraid of what tomorrow holds in store, and you know the reason why. Yes, that's just how it is. When you go down in the water, because by faith you believe in what you've heard, it's no impossible dream, you can start over clean, when you're washed by the water of the word, oh are you washed? And where He's concerned, there never was no sin For when God looks way, He no longer sees a sinner But a saint who's been washed white as snow It's not by anything we've done, but by the blood of God's own Son